Hello, welcome to Dying to Talk. I'm Buddy Feneff, a fourth generation funeral director in New Hampshire and the owner of Feneff Funeral Homes and Crematorium and the founder of the Cremation Society of New Hampshire. My co-hosts today are Mandy Damaris and Madison Smith, both longtime funeral directors with our firm. Hello, I'm Mandy. Thanks for joining us on Dying to Talk. Hi, I'm Madison. We're excited to discuss some frequently asked questions about the funeral industry. Dying to Talk is a lighthearted and upbeat discussion of those topics no one really wants to talk about. Each episode, we will choose a subject that is related to funeral service, the cremation process, or death and dying. On this week's show, we will be talking about Bhutanese funerals and customs and traditions. The, the Bhutanese community really holds a special place to me because they, even though they have not been in, um, really in, in the community too long, they've actually have asked us to be the funeral home of choice for them. Um, and their, their ceremonies are, are wonderful, they're warm, and they're, and they're very, very different than what um, we would normally see from a, a more traditional um, Western type type funeral ceremony. I know, ladies, both of you have probably had more experience with conducting Bhutanese funerals than I have. Why don't you share a little bit about your about your thoughts? Um, one of the amazing things that I've um, encountered with these types of services um, is just the the intense involvement of the family members and the community members. How everyone turns out to support the grieving family. Um, and just the the free flowing emotion. Um, it's it's not it's not the same as your typical, you know, American funeral, um, where it's it's kind of you know a little bit rigid, a little bit formal. Um, for them, it's it's all about just feeling, and it's beautiful. And it's family. I mean, it's yeah. it's really very. Uh, when I say family, it, it's not the the immediate family. It's not the extended family. It's the entire community. Um, and what's very interesting, and Tika would, would talk to this, is, you know, again, as they're here, really as an immigrant culture, um, you know, a lot of them are working third shift, shift jobs. They don't have access to maybe to the technology, uh, maybe not as computer savvy as, you know, someone growing up here in New Hampshire. Um, so they're not, you know, they're not reading the, the obituaries to get notices. They're not going on our Facebook page. Yet someone passes away, and a day later, the entire community knows about it. And within a matter of hours, we will have hundreds and hundreds of, of Bhutanese people here for services, and it was really communicated, just like it was in the old days before there was obituaries and, and social media. Go ahead, Madison. The beautiful thing that I find about the services is, again, how um, how each family member is able to honor their loved one in a very open way. Um, the symbols and the flowers, all the different rituals that they use in the burial is, is able to help them heal and express their feelings um, in front of the entire community so that the community is able to support them in their grief and healing process. Manchester is, is actually a, a lot of people don't realize this, is a, is a Bhutanese resettlement community. We're going to talk about Tika and how Manchester was chosen, how many Bhutanese are here. Um, we have a lot of different questions. And our special guest is going to be Tika Adaria. And Tika is the executive director of the Bhutanese community in New Hampshire um, that are located here in Manchester. Tika, welcome to Dying to Talk. Thank you so much. It's a good pleasure to be with you today. In this program. We appreciate you coming. So I guess before we, we get into specific questions, if, if you could, because um, I'm sure most of our listeners aren't familiar with, with really Bhutan, um, sort of give us a little background about the 
Bhutanese culture, customs, traditions, and how the Bhutanese community really resettled here in the, in the Manchester area? Well, you know, Bhutan is very a small, tiny country in the when you see the you know global map. Um, it's a very small in between China and India. Um, uh, it has over little over seven hundred thousand population. So just imagine, not even a state here in U.S. and um, the the country itself has um, different cultural uh, values. Different minorities live in that country. Uh, have come from Tibet and India and Nepal. Um, so that's how the country was built up. Um, about the Bhutanese um, as a culture, uh, there are basically, when you talk about the refugees who have come to the United States, they are basically from southern part of the country who were uh, officially migrated from India and Nepal um, in uh, 1616, that's a history shows. And uh, since then, uh, the people have been living in the country. When in late 19, um, 1970s, there was geopolitical problem in between Southeast Asian region, especially in India and Nepal, and where um, India acquired Sikkim, another nation from Tibet. And that's, uh, that, was a, that has become a big threat uh, to the government, the country of, you know, the king of Bhutan. So that time was only a king. There was no constitution, and a king used to run the country by himself. Um, there was no written constitution. Everything was in his mind. So there was a threat of geopolitical, and with a region of uh, rel religious persecution, who uh, Hindus were predominantly in the southern part, uh, and then some economic and political regions, uh, the vast majority of the southern population over 130,000 had been evicted in 1991. That is a time. So um, the many things happened that time. What I remember, I was only around 12 years old that when the peaceful demonstration was uh, set it up um, asking for political rights, religious rights, and freedom of speech in the southern and eastern part of the country. Uh, but the government take it otherwise arrested people, uh, killed many people. Um, even my father was, you know, with no reason, was tortured and kept in the prison for a year or so. So there are many people um, were tortured. So because of that reason, um, people had to leave uh, overnight uh, across the border uh, to India. And from there, uh, in, in 1991, uh, in the river bank of uh, Nepal and, and, and Indian border, uh, the river bank was full of refugees flocked together, you know, over 120,000 in one place. Uh, that is a time that international community have drawn an attention to see to set up refugee camps in Nepal. And uh, this Hindus predominantly um, practicing Hindu culture, um, it spent over 17, 18 years until 2008 in the refugee camp, uh, so whole generations. And uh, in, since 2008, when United States invited these uh, refugees legally to come here in the United States. So since then, uh, in this uh, 2008 to 2015, in six, seven years' time, uh, close to 90,000 people have al already come to the United States. And, and how many of those um, Bhutanese have resettled here in the Manchester, Southern New Hampshire area? The official uh, number that uh, the New Hampshire 
was able to receive or people made New Hampshire as their new home is close to 2,500. But there are some secondary migrations in and out. So we have few families moved to other states and few families have come from other states as well. Uh, so I, is, I estimate around 2,200 to 2,500 Bhutanese living in, in New Hampshire. But when you talk about Hindus in New Hampshire, there are many have come from other uh, like other countries like India and Burma, um, so even other parts of the world. So there are many, um, yeah, you know, a significant number of the Hindus living in New Hampshire. Okay, thank you. So since, since this is a show about phenol customs and services and traditions, um, Mandy, why don't we talk a little bit about some of the some of the questions we have for Tika specific to the the Bhutanese cultures and customs when it comes to funeral services? Sure, sure. Um, you mentioned there are approximately twenty five hundred people in specifically in your um, organization, your community. Um, you know, that's twenty five hundred people living here, but that's also twenty five hundred people dying here, um, and I would assume that that would cause a, a bit of a, a problem um, because you have very specific um, traditions and customs involved in your funeral rite. Did you experience any pushback or difficulty finding a funeral home to provide you with um, a means to practice your funeral rite in a way that's as close to your customs as possible? Well, it's very good questions. Um, I would not say, uh, you know, this is my experience in terms of uh, people dying and getting funeral service, uh, culturally appropriate one, uh, is a pushback in the beginning when we had in 2009, the first, you know, first member of our community died. Um, we really had a tough time to get which is the best funeral home that would accept our culture and our values and right. under understand. So. Uh, we decided to provide um, you know, kind of uh, build relations and educate about our culture to the funeral home. Mm -hmm. And we found FINF. Mm -hmm. as, uh, as we approached FINF leadership about uh, specific uh, norms and our culture and how we complete the funeral process, mm -hmm. uh, FINF was very excited to accept it and receive us in a way that um, we feel that we are in our own country that when we perform our funeral home in a new land. Mm -hmm. um, I would not say a pushback, but it's a lack of education of the host community that how as, uh, typical uh, Hindus from Bhutan or Nepal, how they perform the funeral home was completely unknown mm -hmm. to funeral homes here in New Hampshire. So, so you, you found yourself in the role of educator or teacher yes, at the exactly. same time as, as in the role of, uh, you know, a grieving community. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. As you mentioned, there are multiple religions in Bhutan. The community that you work with, um, is there a specific religion that has come over? As you mentioned, Hindus. Yeah. Is that correct? Well, and I have to go back and talk a little bit about, about our organization. Um, what I spread had a nonprofit organization as a secular and our within our community, we are not all Hindus. We have um, Christian, we have uh, Buddhist. Um, so we, and also we serve, um, though we name it as a Bhutanese community in New Hampshire to help few families early on in 2009, but now the organization is well diverse and we serve people from Africa and we serve people from Iraq and Middle East. So we see that typical uh, as an organization, we help all the uh, communities perform their, f you know, funeral or any other cultural activities that fits to their need. But 
uh, talking about our core population that we help as Bhutanese and um, so they have a little bit of different uh, style and their history of doing funeral, funeral services than the large vast majority of Hindus where Indian does so one example that I can share I don't know um, if that would come in a second question is that uh, there's a long fasting kind of thing that happens when a member of the family died, their immediate family, like their um, Nathan Keen or their son and daughter, uh, they're not allowed to eat until the funeral service is over. So we really had a big challenge in the beginning about the 48 hours of waiting and all. So it was fun of leadership that helped us to reach out to the State Department, State in New Hampshire, State, um, is it uh, hospital or I don't know exactly the where medical we examiner. The medical, medical examiner, examiner yeah. that regulates the that cremation regulates. schedules and authorization. So FUNIF became our advocate in terms of representing our culture. So quite a lot of time we were able to waive that and you know give a peace of mind to the families who are grieving. So we within the Hindus, um, there are few adjustment. Uh, it's a Hindu is a very big culture. And it's, it's evolving every day. So, um, but typical, our people have their one way when they feel satisfied or delighted when they would perform the funeral that they used to perform for many, many years. Now, Tiga, one of the things that I've, I've noticed in serving the, being fortunate enough to serve the Bhutanese community is that uh, in nearly every case, the, the deceased passes away at home with family members, extended families living in the home where it's very typical for U.S. families to be in nursing homes, hospitals. Is that a cultural thing where the family really does not place their loved one into nursing homes, assisted living? They, they, they keep their elderly family members at home to live and, and to die? Well, um, it's just a part of our culture, and what it's more than a culture, what we see is a responsibility of a family member, of either, especially their children, so uh, a, a parent die, a, when a father or a mother died, and their children are with them because um, they are the ones, the parents are the ones that they have shown this world. They have given certain culture, their values when they were born. And uh, so that culture, that values, is converted as a responsibility or a obligation as your children that you take care of your parents as God. So we, we treat our parents as a God and we keep them in our house uh, because they have given us so much in the world. And we don't, unless there's an emergency or something like that, we try our best to keep our parents at home and take care of them. Great, thank you. Um, along that line, um, you know, where you are keeping loved ones, uh, family members at home until passing, um, I've also noticed that uh, there's a definite process to how the body is prepared and who prepares the body. Um, could you give me a general, like give the listeners a general overview of what that process is? You know, it's a little different here in the U.S., but, uh, you know, back home, um, the body, what we believe is, is a completely dead body. Their eternal soul is where living, and they, they pray for it. So from the day when die, that's uh, certain things that, you know, every day people mourn for at least 13 days 
and after 45 days there's a mourning and then every year there is a death anniversary being practiced and people take leave for an entire day and priests come home to do that every year so there are significant um anniversaries that are uh, that are acknowledged right in, in your faith because it's it's a faith and belief that you know we give respect and values to those loved ones but they are they are physically not here but they're all the time with us mm -hmm. so we need to give respect to the those days that we you know we do fasting on the date anniversary we have a priest coming and and we pray for them and and they would you know rather they we expect that they're blessing all the time even they physically they are not with us and this is being uh, uh, acknowledged and uh, practiced in the whole community mm -hmm. and their relatives and far uh, relatives would come together in this anniversaries in the 13 day and 45 days and then every anniversaries they get together and they pray so they pray with the priest mm -hmm. and um, this is a great belief that people make it and if if they in, in case if they have to miss it um, they would really, you know, feel the regret, and but they would join another time mm -hmm. uh, with the group. So usually, the sisters and brothers they try their best travel mm -hmm. a long distance to get in anniversaries mm -hmm. and those special moment. Now, Tika, I'm I'm making the assumption that in in Bhutan there are no no such things as funeral homes. It's the community that takes care and. Um, probably similar to India, the, the cremations actually take place outside in the funeral pyre. There are no you know, gas-propelled crematories like we have here. Was that something that your community had a hard time adjusting to, where trying to understand, well, no, we needed to use a funeral home, we have to follow the regulations, there's actually fees involved, and it's not done outside? Can you, can you address that a little bit? Yeah, that was, you're true, uh, you're right, because there was a fear where the dead body would go, which river to go. In in our in our country, people take it to a you know river, and actually in India, there's a big one where people feel that they could take them into that, and and even now they take their asses into the river. Um, here in 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 U.S., it's an entirely different. It's illegal to have you know taking dead body and born in outside in a river bank or somewhere. You can't scatter in the Merrimack yeah. River. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but you know, we as a, as a community leader, we have taken that I initiative to uh, um, to play a role of a cultural broker and educate the family members, the laws and the regulations and policies that we live here in the United States. So it was easy for the families to understand that we we cannot do that. But our option is we found funeral home, who which we compare as a, a Saint River, and then we have. You know, we have seen that in every day there are over 200, 300 people come here um, and, and they pray. Uh, we practice exactly what the priest does in the riverbank in, in, in our country. We do exactly the same thing. And we presume that funeral home is, is a riverbank and, and, and we pray for it, that our uh, past, you know, dead body would go to, you know, heavenly, um, you know, in, in a peace. So... It's it's entirely different because, uh, but people are adjusting. But in the beginning, it was difficult. Now we we um, we promoted last week's show that you'd be coming on. We we got an email from a gentleman named Rash from Nashua, who um, whose dad passed away, and he was Hindu from from India. And we were also very privileged to serve the, the Indian community as well um, in northern northern Massachusetts, yeah, thank in you. southern New Hampshire, and. 
Their custom is after the cremation takes place, they will often bring the cremated remains back to India and scatter at the Ganges River, in the river, I should say. Um, something similar? In, um, do you, are you going back? To, I mean, obviously, with the political instability there, or family members going back to Bhutan, are you going to India? Are they keeping? How is how are the the final disposition of the cremated remains handled with the Bhutanese community? Well, you know, I think the family would be really happy, and um, if they could be able to afford to do that, because uh, I, I I remember uh, when our, my my father's grandmother died in Bhutan. Um, our grandfathers, my, my grandfather was not there, my, my grandfather's brothers, they, um, they actually, when they had a cremation in the, in the river, but all these brothers uh, with their bare foot in a different white dress, on a stitched dress that they need, they need to wear, and without shoes, bare feet, without eating, they had to travel to the Ganges, which is close to, I think, over a thousand miles oh. um, by train, and then do the uh, they take uh, the what we say asses, um, and then they perform a similar kind of funeral for for hours in Ganges. So it is believed all Hindus around the world they go to Ganges and pray for their loved ones who passed away. Tika, as you mentioned, the Hindus in the Bhutanese community do um, perform the cremation, and they're able to go back to the Ganges if if their situation allows. Are there people in the Bhutanese community that prefer to bury their dead? Um, I have no knowledge about it, but people who um, definitely love to go to Ganges and mm -hmm. uh, travel from here. But I think that's not feasible at this point because people are trying to, you know, get adjusted and integrated. So it's kind of, uh, you know, their job and their leave issue is there. Uh, secondly, is, is a cost. Uh, so there are various other factors. So, but uh, you know, Hindu as a religion is very, you know, evolving as I see it and flexible. That uh, as a religion, understand that we we got to fit into the environment, what where we live. But I hope that in future, uh, when people become able, they would love to, um, you know, go to Kansas, but they would not take their in a dead body. Uh, what I see is unless there is an exception that in you know. An, an Indian who come here and who died, but every all the family members are in India. That's a different situations. So it's it's a it's a family members uh, call. If the family members are here, they would rather do it here. Uh, but if they decide to take the dead bodies to 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 India in Ganges, uh, that would be wonderful. It might happen that in future. Uh, but as of now, we do not know. And as I mentioned, that as a community leader, which we represent various other group, we also support uh, Christians and, and Buddhists that they have a little bit, little bit of different ways of doing funerals, so we are also helping them as well. If people do want to um, contribute to the Bhutanese community or to your organization, where can they um, where can they do so and how can they do so? Well, you know, this our organization is a post-resettlement uh, agency uh, in, in, New, in New Hampshire. We have office in Concord and Manchester, but we serve across the state. And um, we, ha we do various kind of work. We help people to find a job. We teach English and civic I mean, American education. And we prepare a pathway towards citizenship. Uh, we help people um, provide um, education about health insurance, uh, uh, human services, case management, um, hospital appointment, interpretations. 
and as a non-profit, we always look for um, you know support and donations. So uh, people uh, and also donation for funeral because family are new here; they don't know how they, we have a subsidized rate with FINEF, but still uh, we have. We always face hard time to meet the cost of the you know funeral cost, uh, so we look for support from from the host community uh, or anybody in the, in the community, and they can always uh, reach out to us, uh, send a check to in our address, uh, five ten Chestnut Manchester zero three one zero one, or they they can route it through FINEF uh, as you have been doing in in, in the past, so we are, we welcome support from you know many people here who are you know, we have been helping us to make America a new, new home for these refugees. Well, thank you for coming this morning. We appreciate your time. That was a great topic. I think it's a lot of people will learn a lot about the Bhutanese community not, not knowing a whole lot about it. And as many Bhutanese funerals as we've done, I still learn about, about the culture and customs. Thank you for joining us on another informative episode of Dying to Talk. I definitely learned a lot. If our listeners have any questions about funerals or cremations, either in New Hampshire or Vermont, I'm happy to answer them. Just email me at buddy at finef.net. That's buddy at P-H-A-N-E-U-F.net. Or call me on my direct line at 603-625-5778. Our contact information is in the show notes of this episode too.